name is Shandy Chernow, and you're listening to the Shandyland Podcast. I have, for the first time today, a repeat guest. We had such great interest in our last episode with Dave Bloom, who is the CEO and blogger-in-chief at SnackSafely.com, that we just couldn't not bring him back. We talked all about food allergy stuff and labeling stuff last time, but Dave has a super interesting career path, if you will, and I really wanted to talk to him about business. So thank you, Dave, for being back with me today. I really appreciate it, and I thought our last episode was fantabulous. It was uh, it was a blast, and thanks for inviting me back to Shandyland. Yeah, happy to have you here. And listeners, happy to have you here as well. If you're interested in the food allergy and labeling topics that we covered last time, please go listen to the other episode, uh, which I should have gone and looked and saw what number it was, but I didn't. So somewhere in like the five or six range, I think. So please go listen to that because there's some really interesting information in there. We talked all about food allergies and labeling last time, but you had this big, huge corporate executive job. You're traveling back and forth between London and the U.S., right? And you decided one day to up and quit and focus completely on SnackSafely.com. How did you ever decide to make that leap? That takes so much courage. Well, I had a little help, so uh, let me let me set the record straight. <laughs> so, uh, so I was the CTO of uh, a company that offered high speed trading services, and we had a pretty big network in uh, in Europe. And so, my job was primarily there, but my family was here, so I would commute back and forth. At some point, uh, we were actually bought out uh, by a British telecom. Uh, and um, when that happened, the decision really was up to me how I wanted to proceed. So, so you had a fork uh, in the road moment. I, I, I'm sorry? You had kind of a fork in the road moment. Exactly. Exactly right. So it was uh, either uh, move my family to London, which is not oh. something that we were interested in doing, um, or take the package and, and, uh, and leave and try something else. So that's uh, that was the impetus for us to decide that you know maybe uh, maybe there's something else out there that would be a little bit more fulfilling than helping hedge funds make the next uh, gazillion dollars, and that's when uh, I had a sit down conversation with my wife Deborah, and we decided to to do the jump to jump into uh, SnackSafely.com. Which you had already, or she had already kind of started collecting those resources and working on the blog, right? Well, she wasn't working on the blog. She was working on what came to be our safe snack guide. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. Um, For the school yeah, district so she, where you guys are located. Right. So she was the one that uh, that put that together originally for our school district. And it really caught on. We had put it on the internet because we wanted people to be able to download it here in our district. And a few months later, we had thousands of downloads and uh, we had no email address. So they didn't know how to get in touch with us. But as soon as we put an email address up there, we started getting requests from all over, all over the world, really, for, uh, to, to provide a similar resource for them as well. Yeah, I mean, it's just so interesting, right? Like, how does that feel when you, you come from a place where you've got a ton of people around you and a lot of resources at your disposal? And then all of a sudden, I mean, you know, like we started, right? You know, you're you're in your 
third bedroom or whatever and you're with your laptop like okay let's go (laughs) (laughs) I mean you know this Uh, feeling right yeah no it's you know what it's it's a very liberating feeling uh, so I've been at, uh, we I started found it scarier than liberating. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I had a little bit of a cushion. So, um, you know, we, we, I, I had a package when I had left and so that paid the bills and, uh, you know, we knew that there was a need out there and, uh, we, we knew from the response we had from doing something very simple. Um, and I knew that, uh, that if not anything else, what I could do is start this up, um, be able to provide this service. Uh, and if it didn't work out, then maybe this would be something that we would do on the side and, and keep going because there was a huge need for people to be able to find products that work for their, for their food allergies, uh, and be able to rely on them. So, um, so it really wasn't as big a risk as it could have been, uh, but it was uh, it was definitely a jump and something that I had never done before, and uh, it it turned out to be wonderful. What resources do you use when you find yourself in need of trying to figure out, you know, kind of what to do next or how to do something that you're not familiar with? Probably less so now than you know when you started it in what 2011, but. Who do you go to for help or what, what groups or, or resources do you use? Oh, well, there, you know, there are many resources out there. I'll, I'll you know, t- when, when we started out, uh, really, we started out in, in sort of two phases. Uh, one was to get the Safe Snack Guide ready for the first introduction to a, a nationwide audience. And the other thing was to sort of support that with a blog. Um, and so I really had to learn all about blogging, uh, and there were very few resources out there, but I'll, I'll, I'll give a couple of shout outs. Uh, Allergic Living, uh, is, is a wonderful resource. Um, you know, I, I found a lot of the information that sort of brought me up to speed on things that I didn't know. On the food allergy side or on the blogging side? Um, this is uh, basically on both sides. So, um, so that was a, a wonderful resource to have uh, at the uh, at the time. The Food Allergy Initiative and uh, and what would become Fair Fan and would become Fair. Um, so there were a number of resources out there, um, but what we wanted to do in engaging with food manufacturers to try and change the culture out there, or at least to provide more transparency. That required some technical skills, and I had become rusty because I started out as an engineer, but this was a great opportunity also for me to kind of uh, withdraw a bit and, uh, and try and, and figure out the underpinnings of, of what SnackSafety.com would be, uh, and we built our own proprietary um, uh, platform to be able to do this work. And I have lots of friends in the industry, so when I had a question about how to implement something in particular, there was always someone to reach out to for help. Yeah, asking for help is such an important thing when you're kind of out on your own and trying to figure out how to get from step A to step B, right? You can go down a rabbit hole for hours and hours and hours, if not days and weeks, when really you probably know somebody who knows the answer, and you just have to kind of get over that obstacle of not being able to or not wanting to ask for help. Yeah, it's, 
And, you know, having an engineering background, uh, a, a lot of us, um, a lot of us have this tendency to want to figure out things on our own. Me too. And mm-hmm. uh, it's not, uh, it, there, there certainly are ways to get around that. And, and you know, after a time of hitting your head against the, the brick wall, you realize that maybe you want to reach out sooner rather than later and, and get answers. Yeah, it's, it's, it is a hard one to swallow, right? Well, you kind of come from, you know, my degree is in computer science and my first five years out in the world were designing software and building stuff. And I still kind of feel like I should know all the things. And the reality is at this point, I'm going to date myself, but like, it's been a long time since I really built things and I don't know any of the things, right? <laughs> and so I kind of had to give back my computer science card here. You know, I know nothing and, and I now have to rely but on But you never people. really give it up, do you? You never do, no. no. You know enough to be dangerous and irritating and annoying. And exactly that's, right. <laughs> that's about it. You can, you know, stir the pot and dig around in the pot, but nobody lets you cook. No. no yeah. Sure. <laughs> Talk to me about the blogging side. How did you, like, what does that look like? What's the blogging world like? I, you know, every once in a while, you know, we put out some blog posts, but we're not by any stretch of the imagination, you know, a, a blogging company or a, what one would even consider to be a blog. So talk to me about that. And how did you figure out that side of it? Well, that was really an extension of me wanting to learn more about food allergies and, and, and what was going on in order to support the work we were doing with food manufacturers. So Every time I would come across something reasonably interesting to me, I figured, well, this is something I didn't know. There are probably thousands of people out there that don't know that as well. So let me write it up. And what I would do is we started with uh, with a small WordPress blog. And uh, whenever I came across something of particular interest, I would write it up and put it out there. And that would help me sort of internalize it as well, because if you if you have to describe it, Yep. Then you have to understand it before you do that. The best way to so, learn something is to teach it, right? Exactly right. So, um, so the blog was born uh, pretty much uh, at the end of 2011, and our first let's see, our first article we were coming close to Halloween was um, uh, I think our first article was actually uh, four things you don't know about food labeling. And then we went straight into uh, into some kind of uh, instruction template for how to have a safe Halloween, and uh, and really it was it was <laughs> don't give out food. <laughs> <laughs> don't give it. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously now with the with the whole teal pumpkin effort that's out there, which is wonderful. Yeah. Uh, now uh, kids with uh, with food allergies really do have an option out there, uh, which is which is terrific. But, I have um, a, you know, I've got my teal pumpkin out and I've got this big teal bowl and in the teal bowl goes all the, you know, um, temporary tattoos and bouncy balls and erasers and pencils and the vampire lips or whatever, you know, all those kinds of things. And I have to hide it because that's the stuff that all the kids who, you know, that candy bowl over there is intended for. They're like, wait a minute, what's that? <laughs> that's exact. We have the exact same situation. Um, my wife bought this this cardboard treasure chest that's all full of of toys those and, things, yeah, and those things, and uh, and and really at the end, you know, you, you wind up being the house that's known for that kind of mm-hmm. thing. So kids show up and they're they're disappointed that they're getting candy, right? So uh, well, they yeah, get candy so. in all the houses, right? Who's giving them exactly, toys yeah, and stuff exactly to play right. with? 
<laughs> Sorry, I digress. You you caught me with Halloween. No, so so back you know, to blogging. So it was really all a matter of trying to learn as much as I could about uh, the research that's going on, the trials that are going on, um, legislation, and um, you know, and how the FDA is operating with regard to allergies, and and then taking that and putting that into perspective and then throwing that up on the blog. And, uh, you know, I think we've, we've got a, a, a nice audience out there, a nice sized audience out there that give us plenty of feedback. Um, there are times when, uh, when the feedback is not necessarily all positive, but, uh, but it's all constructive and, um, and it's been, it's really been wonderful. And uh, it's also been wonderful meeting other folks that blog in the industry that have completely different insights to what to what we have. Yeah, no doubt. You have also, in addition to the blog and the snack guide, you have a Facebook group that you work with or run also, right? You've got a pretty well, sizable audience in there. Yeah, we have... Um, we have a, a Facebook page, and uh, and that's really where we cross post a lot of the things that are on our blog. Um, we have about, I, I guess, about now about forty five thousand readers there. Wow! Um, and last year we had, um, I, I want to say, we had about one point two million unique visitors to our blog. Wow! So it's been uh, it's been interesting. It's been fun. Uh, there's been a lot of interaction that I've had with uh, with our readers, and you learn something new every day. You know, especially nowadays with, you know, I think we chatted about this before, but EOE and mm-hmm. uh, and you know and celiac disease and all of these other um, all of these other diseases that are that are really exploding in terms of their prevalence. Um, so it's 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 good to know how they all interact and. And how really parents and, and individuals are, are just looking for answers. How do, I, how do I live my life with this particular obstacle in my path? What advice would you give somebody who was thinking, gosh, I really would like to start my own blog, but I don't, you know, I've got ideas and content and things to talk about, but I just don't know how to go about doing it. It's funny that you say that because actually my wife is, is in the process of starting her own blog. Uh, she's watched me do this for for a number of years, and she's always wanted to give a, a mom's perspective. So mine is not so much a dad's perspective. It's sort of you know cut and dry. Mm-hmm. Here's um, here's what I think you need to know about what's going on in the in the food allergy and celiac realms. But she really wants to take all of the experience that she's she's gained in being a food allergy mom. And do her own blog. So that's going to be coming out. It's called. It's going to be called foodallergyparenting.com, and uh, that'll be coming out in the in the next few months. But my advice to really starting a blog is just do it. So it's very easy nowadays to get a free free space someplace, either on Google or on WordPress. Uh, start your own blog. Um, you can. Start with with no readers. Uh, just put your ideas up there. Share them with uh, with a few close family members, some friends. Get some feedback, and then just start generating content. 
And, you know, so that's how you get started. I mean, there's really nothing, uh, nothing particularly um, interesting about how to do that. <laughs> you just got to sit down and write. But then the real, you know, really what you want is, is how do you expose your blog to an audience? And, you know, there are very many ways to do that. And obviously it depends on what you're blogging about. Um, you know, but, uh, but one way to do that is get involved in chat groups, which, but this is one way we, we sort of launched snacksafely.com. Um, we were, uh, we became a member of a number of food allergy, uh, Facebook groups. Mm -hmm. And whenever there was something of particular interest, or we had something to lend to a conversation, we would link to our blog. And that's basically how we started building what we have. That's awesome. Yeah. And I, I mean, I know I've seen you super active that way on Facebook groups. Sometimes though, you have to be a little careful, you know, with the rules of the groups and, you know, like when, um, you know, if you link to things or try to grow yourself inside of their group, you know, like it just depends on what the rules are. And we've run a, we've run afoul of that accidentally a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> that's certainly the case. And that's been the case, but you know, really, the question is, are you lending value to right. a particular group? So if you've got a story to tell, let's say you've got a story to tell about uh, about the FASTER Act, which just yeah. passed the uh, U.S. House of Representatives. You want to let people Unanimously, know that. nonetheless. Unanimously, yeah. No, it's wonderful. And, and FAIR has done a terrific job in sponsoring the FASTER Act and, and promoting it. But you want to bring that information to the masses. How do you do that? Well, we have our blog. And uh, and one thing that we did was we posted that information to a number of sites. Mm -hmm. You could say you're, you're really uh, uh, promoting your own blog. But in, yeah, but in, in essence... In your case, I mean, you, I hope I don't ask the wrong question here. But you almost bridge between blogger and journalist. You're providing news to people, really. You've you've become kind of a centralized source for food allergy news. Well, yeah, no, I, I mean that's certainly true for food allergy news. I but, hope that there's nothing you know, like insulting and like I don't mean it that way, but really, I mean you you oftentimes tell me things before I find them on news. Well, you know, I appreciate that. That's <laughs> what we try and do. But you know, there are other perspectives, sure, um, like the food allergy mom or dad out there that uh, that that rather than posting news is posting some insight as to how you deal with uh with food allergies or celiac disease or autism or you yeah. know or 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 go go Any through the whole list for sure and uh, and they have some very valuable experience to provide as well totally true and a lot of that a lot of information a lot of that experience winds up in a group which is wonderful but maybe what I would say to people is maybe think about taking that experience and um, creating your own little neck of the woods where you can put that information down uh, and then start promoting that and then, you know, and, and draw people in. The more people you draw in from, uh, from across the spectrum, uh, the more your work is read and the more help that you can provide to people who are looking for help. So then you've built your blog as, you know, random listener, you've built your blog, you've grown your audience some, 
how do you then know, like, where do you learn how to monetize that? How do you get in with advertisers or sponsors or um, there's probably other monetization routes that I'm not even thinking of? Sure. So, you know, there, there's the, the first thing you have to do is you have to decide what your goal is. Um, is your goal to uh, to create this fabulous blog or this fabulous service and have someone buy you out? Uh, are you looking for venture capital? Those types of things. Um, you know, there are really multiple ways of doing that. Uh, what we wanted to do was we wanted, number one, uh, our primary goal was to be able to educate people and help people uh, free of charge. Uh, and the other thing we wanted to do was we wanted to bring manufacturers into uh, into the, the realm of full transparency. And so we didn't want to charge uh, manufacturers either for working with us. So we wanted to be entirely free on both ends so we could bridge that gap. So what we opted on was uh, an advertising model where uh, we work entirely, um, we, we fund ourselves entirely through advertising. And this way, yes, ads can be, uh, can be irritating sometimes, uh, but they do pay, uh, pay the way. And that allows us to offer all our services for free. Uh, in terms of how you find advertisers, well, that depends largely on the focus of your particular blog. So, um, Many things that we've focused on have been of interest. For instance, um, we have the Say Snack Guide. It's a um, it's a publication. Now it's a family of guides. Um, Congratulations the, on the latest. Thank three, you very by the much. Way. Uh, our traditional guide was peanut and tree nut free mm -hmm. uh, because uh, because of our daughter. Uh, but we've now graduated to a milk free guide and uh, um, a gluten free guide, a sesame free guide. There are companies that are interested in promoting themselves there because they have gluten-free products or sesame-free products. Sure. So um, the answer there is uh, you can build relationships with those companies. And you do that by reaching out to, uh, you know, doing the legwork, reaching out to those companies. Eventually, you'll make a name for yourself in a particular space. And you'll actually find companies coming to you. Uh, because they want to, uh, they, they want to so be associated. Good. The first time that happens, right? The first time you answer the phone and somebody says, "I want to write you a check," you had to have just had quite the party that night, right? Like that's like that first dollar bill, even though it's not the first one. You know, like that had to have just felt amazingly good. Um, it it did feel amazingly good because it meant I could feed my kids, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> right? and uh, but. Um, but it was one of those things that I thought would 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 come would come eventually, and I'm very happy that uh, that it worked out. Now for us, uh, when we started the guide, what I did was I reached out to uh, some some very big manufacturers, and one of the first manufacturers that uh, decided to work with us was Tootsie Roll Industries. That's a pretty big pretty big catch. Yeah. And uh, and that allowed us to sort of say, "Hey, we've got Tootsie Roll. How about how about your company?" Isn't that um, amazing how that works as a small company when you really need the credibility of someone else? Like someone's decided that you're kind of good enough or big enough or exist enough to work with, and then you need that to be able to get into other places. We I and mean, we feel the exact 
exactly the same way. That's exactly right. And, um, you know, what you need is you need a, a company to take a chance. Mm-hmm. Now, for us, it wasn't a very big chance because sure. uh, because we were offering our services for free. Um, but uh, but then we were lucky enough to to strike um, strike a partnership with Enjoy Life Foods, and uh, you know they they were the big behemoth in the uh, in the free free from space. Yeah. Um, and uh, before they were uh, purchased by before they were acquired by Mondelez, and uh, you know and one thing led to another, and each. Each partnership that you establish makes the next partnership that much easier. Yeah, it's amazing how that rolls, isn't it? It really is crazy. It's it's almost like if you're you know if if you're a big company, you kind of think, well, so and so did their due diligence and they decided that these guys are good guys, so it must be easier for me to make that decision too. You know exactly. Yeah, we find exactly the same thing. You know, it's it all companies kind of focus on different things and have different goals and you know different paths to making money, but at the end of the day, you kind of run into all the same types of issues and um exciting moments as the case may be. I will never forget the first time we got somebody who came in like, you know, through the website and was like, "Hey, I want to talk to you." And doing a little party dance in the background, right? Like, "Yay, we did something right." So exciting. Um so what I always ask this on the business side, what's the thing that you would go back and correct? I mean, it's, that's my nice way of asking, like, what mistake would you make? Uh, did you make that you would, you know, do differently the second time around if you were to start another shindig? That's a, that's a great question. Uh, I, I have, I have tons of regrets of how I could have done <laughs> things differently. Yeah. Um, but I think if you're, if you're, if you're starting something new, you're always going to have those regrets. Mm-hmm. And the, the most important thing is that you find the path. My, um, I, I was very worried about blogging because um, I, I wasn't sure that my writing skills were up to snuff. Um, but, uh, you know, and I hadn't really written much other than technical and marketing information uh, for many years. So, um, so I was uh, a little bit reticent there, and uh, but decided to go in with uh, you know with both feet. So um, I would have uh, I would have been a little less nervous and a little bit more to churn out some more interesting um, interesting content earlier on. Uh, but eventually, that came with uh, with time and experience. Sure. And and I think what I would have done is probably reached out. Uh, to companies much sooner, um, and and uh, and you know much sooner, having had you know that one pitch, um, and being able to reproduce that with with other companies, I would have accelerated that whole process. Yeah, it's easier so I, easier I, in hindsight to do that than looking forward, isn't it? Very true. But you know, you need to have confidence, and and we had confidence, but. You also need to have. Um, you also have to have to have sort of the impetus to go out there and uh, and really start hacking away. And that's something that I wish we we would have started a bit earlier. I was uh, so you mentioned the Faster Act a little bit ago, which just passed the House of Representatives unanimously, uh, largely to add Sesame to the you know to be the top ninth. That sentence made no sense whatsoever. To be the ninth of the top. 
nine of the top eight. <laughs> <laughs> so, which is great, right? I mean, that's amazing. You know how I am. I always advocate for more food allergies, not, you know, a more restricted list. So when we have the top 170, I will be happy. How involved with policy making or policy advocating do you really get? I know you report on all of it. You let us all know what's happening in the in the policy world. I just talked to um, Thomas Silvera, you know, with uh, the Elijah Olivey uh, Foundation. He does a ton of policy making. Like he's even writing the paragraphs that are finding their ways into laws, which is amazing. Have you gotten involved on that side? It's something that I watch and I want to get involved in. And we really haven't had that opportunity as yet. Uh, Thomas has done a wonderful job. I mean, you know, we we have covered many tragedies uh, in our time, in our nine years. And we've also, which is, which is obviously heartbreaking to of do. Of course. Um, and we've covered a number of families that have turned their tragedy into, I don't want to say triumph because there's no triumph, uh, but have turned their tragedy into, uh, into, yeah, into, into, into doing good for, for others and, and, and helping prevent tragedy Mm -hmm. in other lives. And, uh, and Thomas and, and, uh, and his family have done a tremendous job. Um, we, so we, don't uh, don't do policy per se. Uh, what we've tried to do is we've tried to be a voice of the food allergic, allergic consumer. Uh, so when the FDA came out with their boneheaded uh, regulations <laughs> for this pandemic uh, back back in the spring, uh, we were very very vocal about what what was wrong there. Sure. Um, we've also uh, we've also been very vocal about uh, about allergen labeling in the United States, and so we've done many editorials where we posted our view on how it could be done much better, uh, and we've put those in circulation. Um, but we've left it pretty much to the the big uh, the big advocacies like fair. Uh, to promote the legislation. And what we try and do is we try and put the word out behind them uh, so that people understand what's going on, where they need to keep their eye on the ball, and how they can help move the ball forward. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's such a specialized skill set, and it kind of eludes me a bit, but it's something that I'd like to be a, a bit more vocal about, to use your words, and I, I need to find my voice there. So I appreciate your words. Um, can I shift to a... a a more personal note? Absolutely. I noticed uh, in, you know, doing my Dave Bloom research, if you will, in preparation for these, uh, I noticed that you do a lot of fundraising for different organizations. Um, I wouldn't say we do a lot of fundraising. So uh, well, like we, ha- we have the three day and like you just, you put out a lot of things for, for different uh, different types of organ outside of food allergies. And I just think that's awesome. So I wanted to see if there was anybody that you wanted to highlight here as, you know, well, you know, um, we, we had, um, we had, uh, a relationship with end allergies together, a wonderful, uh, nonprofit organization that was funding research into therapies and a cure for food mm-hmm. allergies. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are shortly going to be announcing a, a new partnership now that they've ended their, uh, their operations with the Food Allergy Fund, uh, 
Oh, good. Uh, and so, yeah, and so we will be donating the proceeds that we make uh, when people purchase on Amazon. We'll be donating 100% of those proceeds to the Food Allergy Fund. What a small world. We just had Alana on the other day. I, you know, I have it on my, I have it bookmarked to be able to listen to. I haven't had a chance yet, she, uh, but Alana does some wonderful work. After that, uh, after that episode, one of the folks on my team said that was a bit of a masterclass in food allergies, Shandy. <laughs> <laughs> She's great. She is. She's wonderful. She's amazing. Um, so, uh, you know, so that's something we're interested in doing and where we can help folks, uh, where we can help these organizations uh, get uh, get some exposure and where we can help them in their efforts, we're always happy to do that. Perfect. So what we do is uh, is we do donate space in our safe snack guides uh, so that uh, nonprofits can uh, can advertise what they're doing and and the, the and and how how we can help. Um, and uh, and there are other opportunities as well. So my uh, my. Uh, call out to the nonprofits out there in the allergy and celiac spaces is uh, you're always welcome to give us a call if you're promoting something or if there's something we can do to help you in your efforts, we're, we're here. Perfect. Remind our listeners how they can connect with you online. Uh, that's easy. I'm, uh, I'm Dave at snacksafely.com. Uh, and, uh, you can always reach me there and, uh, and happy to, uh, to have conversations with, uh, with anyone with, with good ideas for how we can, as I said before, how we can move the ball forward for this community. Amazing. So as you well know, we always end these episodes with two truths and a lie. They've had a spectacular version of that on our last episode. Uh, if you're still wondering which one it was, because he is afraid of heights, please connect with us on the comments or on uh, on the social media channels. But now we have an opportunity to get a whole new set. So Dave, take it away. Okay, so I've done a bunch of summer jobs when I was younger that are now obsolete. So uh, I've done two out of these three summer jobs. You I tell like me which one. It makes me really happy. <laughs> <laughs> so here we go. I was a telex repairman for Western Union. I was a bomb shelter technician for FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Agency. Stop. And I was a paper boy delivering the Jersey Journal, which I don't even know if it's in print anymore, but. You know, sorry to all of my other guests, but you are my absolute favorite two truths and a lie guy. <laughs> <laughs> I, think I gave this some thought, so and, and I got to tell you, I've done, I've done half a dozen things that really don't exist anymore. <laughs> so talk about showing your age. There you go. I love it. Well, if, listeners, if you want to know which of those jobs Dave did not do, uh, please drop us a line either in the comments on your favorite podcasting platform or in any of the social media channels. Dave, thank you for being here. As always, it is a pleasure, and I'm sure we'll be talking again. And listeners, thank you for being here and continuing to listen to Shandyland. Please give us a subscribe or a follow on whatever podcasting platform you lose. You lose? No, that you use. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much, Shandy.